Chapter Ten of Books Fatal to Their Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November two thousand fourteen. Books Fatal to Their Authors by Peter H. Ditchfield. Chapter Ten: Booksellers and Publishers the printers of nicholas de lyra and caesar baronius john fast richard crofton jacob van liesfeld john luftius robert stevens estienne henry stevens simon ockley floyer sydenham edmund castell page john lilburn etienne dolet john morin christian Bechel, Andrew Wechel, Jacques Froulet, Godanesch, William Anderton. Authors have not been the only beings who have suffered by their writings, but frequently they have involved the printers and sellers of their works in their unfortunate ruin. The risks which adventurous publishers run in our own enlightened age are not so great as those incurred a few centuries ago indeed mr walter besant assures us that now our publishers have no risks not even financial they are not required to produce the huge folios and heavy quartos which our ancestors delighted in and poured forth with such amazing rapidity unless there is a good subscriber's list and all the copies are taken the misfortunes of booksellers caused by voluminous authors might form a special subject of inquiry and we commend it to the attentions of some other book lover we should hear the groans of two eminent printers who were ruined by the amazing industry of one author nicholas de lyra he himself died long before printing was invented in the year thirteen forty but he left behind him his great work biblia sacra cum interpretationibus et postilis which became the source of trouble to the printers schweinheim and panartz of subiaco and rome they were persuaded or ordered by the pope or his cardinals to print his prodigious commentary on the bible when a few volumes had been printed they desired most earnestly to be relieved of their burden and petitioned the pope to be saved from the bankruptcy with this mighty undertaking entailed they possessed a lasting memento of this author in the shape of eleven hundred ponderous tomes which were destined to remain upon their shelves till fire or moths or other enemies of books had done their work these volumes began to be printed in 1471 and contain the earliest specimens of Greek type. The printers of the works of Prynne, Bartius, Renaud, and other voluminous writers must have had a sorry experience with their authors, but once bitten, twice shy. Hence some of these worthies found it rather difficult to publish their works, and there were no authors' agents or societies of authors to aid their negotiations. Indeed, we are told that a printer who was saddled with a large number of unsaleable copies of a heavy piece of literary production adopted the novel expedient of bringing out several editions of the work. This he accomplished by merely adding a new title-page to his old copies, whereby he readily deceived the unwary. 
Caterino, in his book entitled L'Ardent Primet, quotes the saying of de Fourcet, a Jesuit of Paris, that one might make a pretty large volume of the catalogue of those who have entirely ruined their booksellers by their books. But the booksellers and printers whose hard fate I wish principally to record are those who shared with the authors the penalties inflicted on account of their condemned books unhappily there have been many such whose fate has been recorded and probably there are many more who have suffered in obscurity the terrible punishments which the stern censors of former days knew so well how to inflict one of the reputed discoverers of the art of printing john fust is said to have been persecuted he was accused at paris of multiplying the scriptures by the aid of the devil and was compelled to seek safety in flight the booksellers of the historian caesar baronius whose account of the spanish rule in sicily so enraged philip the third of spain were condemned to perpetual servitude and were forced to endure the terrible tortures inflicted on galley slaves the early printers of the bible incurred great risks Richard Grafton and Edward Whitchurch, together with Miles Coverdale, were entrusted to arrange for the printing of Thomas Matthews' translation. The work was given to the printers in Paris, as the English printers were not very highly esteemed. The book was nearly completed when the Inquisition effectually stopped the further progress of the work by seizing the sheets, and Grafton with his companions were forced to fly. Then Francis Regnault, whose brother's colophone is the admiration of all bibliophiles, undertook the printing of the New Testament, made by Miles Coverdale, which was finished at Paris in 1538. Richard Grafton and Whitchurch contrived to obtain their types from Paris, and the Bible was completed in 1539. Thus they became printers themselves, and as a reward for his labor, when the Roman Catholics again became rulers in high places, Richard Grafton was imprisoned. His printer's mark was a graft, or young tree, growing out of a ton. The title of the Bible which was begun in Paris and finished in London is as follows. The Bible in English, 1539. Folio the bible in english that is to say the content of all the holy scripture both of the old and new testament truly translated after the variety of the hebrew and greek texts by the diligent study of diverse excellent learned men expert in the foresaid tongues printed by richard grafton and edward whitchurch cum privilegio solum fifteen thirty nine this Grafton was also a voluminous author, and wrote part of Hall's Chronicles, an abridgment of the Chronicles of England, and a manual of the same. Whether by accident or intention, a printer of the Bible in the reign of Charles I omitted the important negative in the Seventh Commandment. He was summoned to appear before the High Commission Court, and fined three thousand pounds. The story is also told of the widow of a German printer who strongly objected to the supremacy of husbands and desired to revise the text of the passage in the sacred scriptures which speaks of the subjection of wives Genesis three sixteen. The original text is He shall be thy Lord for Herr 
lord in the german version she substituted narr and made the reading he shall be thy fool it is said that she paid the penalty of death for this strange assertion of woman's rights we must not omit the name of another martyr among the honourable rank of printers of the scriptures jacob van lisfeld who was beheaded on account of his edition of the bible entitled bible en langue hollandaise and verpen fifteen forty two john luftius a bookseller and printer of württemberg incurred many perils when he printed luther's german edition of the sacred scriptures it is said that the pope used to write luftius name on a paper once every year and cast it into the fire uttering terrible imprecations and dire threatenings but the thunders of roman pontiffs did not trouble the worthy bookseller who laughed at their threats and exclaimed i perspired so freely at rome in the flame that i must take a larger draught as it is necessary to extinguish that flame the same fatality befell robert stephanus the parisian printer his family name was estienne but according to the fashion of the time he used the latin form of the word he edited and published a version of the sacred scriptures showing the hebrew greek and latin texts and adding certain notes which were founded upon the writings of francois batable abbot of Belozane, but also contained some of the scholarly reflections of the learned bookseller on the title page the name of the abbot appears first before that of stephanus but considerable hostility was raised against him by this and other works on the part of the doctors of the sorbonne he was compelled to seek safety in flight and found a secure resting-place in geneva his enemies were obliged to content themselves with burning his effigy this troubled stephanus quite as little as the papal censures distressed luftius at a time when his effigy was being burnt the parisian printer was in the snowy mountains of the auvergne and declared that he never felt so cold in his life the printers seem ever to have been on the side of the protestants in germany they produced all the works of the reformation authors with great accuracy and skill and often at their own expense whereas the roman catholics could only get their books printed at great cost and even then the printing was done carelessly and in a slovenly manner so as to seem the production of illiterate men and if any printer more conscientious than the rest did them more justice he was jeered at in the market-places and at the fairs of frankfurt for a papist and a slave of the priests this robert stephanus estienne or stevens as the name is usually called was a member of one of the most illustrious families of learned printers the world has ever seen the founder of the family was henry stevens born at paris in fourteen seventy and the last of the race died there in sixteen seventy four thus for nearly two centuries did they confirm the greatest advantages on literature which they enriched quite as much by their learnings as by their skill their biographies have frequently been written so there is no occasion to record them this robert stevens who was exiled on account of his books was one of the most illustrious scholars of his age 
he printed edited and published an immense number of works in hebrew greek and latin amongst others the biblia latina fifteen twenty eight latine linge thesaurus fifteen thirty one dictionarium latino gallicum fifteen forty three ecclesiastica historia oesebii socrates theodoreti fifteen forty four biblia hebraica fifteen forty four and fifteen forty six and many others in the bible of fifteen fifty five he introduced the divisions of chapter and verse which are still used with regard to the accuracy of his proofs we are told that he was so careful as to hang them up in some place of public resort and to invite the corrections of the learned scholars who collected there at geneva his printing press continued to pour forth a large number of learned works and after his death one of his sons named charles carried on the business another son of robert stevens named henry was one of those scholars who have ruined themselves by their love of literature devoting their lives and their fortunes to the production of volumes on some special branch of study in which only a few learned readers are interested hence while they earn the gratitude of scholars and enrich the world of literature by their knowledge the sale of their books is limited and they fail to enrich themselves the thesaurus linge greke cost poor henry stevens ten years of labor and nearly all his fortune this is a very valuable work and has proved of immense service to subsequent generations of scholars a second edition was published in london in eighteen fifteen in seven folio volumes and recently another edition has appeared in paris one of his works aroused the indignation of the parisian authorities it was entitled introduction au traité des merveilles anciennes avec les modernes ou traité préparatif à l'apologie pour hérodote par henri estienne fifteen sixty six this work was supposed to contain insidious attacks upon the monks and priests and roman catholic faith comparing the fables of herodotus with the teaching of catholicism and holding up the latter to ridicule at any rate the book was condemned and its author burnt in effigy m peignot asserts in his dictionnaire critique littéraire et bibliographique that it was this henry stevens who uttered the bon mot with regard to his never feeling so cold as when his effigy was burnt and he himself was in the snowy mountains of the auvergne other authorities attribute the saying to his father as we have already narrated noble martyrs literature has had men who have sacrificed ease comfort and every earthly advantage for her sake and who have shared with henry stevens the direst straits of poverty brought about by the ardour of their love such a one was a learned divine simon ockley vicar of Swavesey in seventeen o five and professor of arabic at cambridge in seventeen eleven who devoted his life to asiatic researches this study did not prove remunerative having been seized for debt he was confined in cambridge castle and there finished his great work the history of the saracens 
his martyrdom was lifelong as he died in destitution having always to use his own words given the possession of wisdom the preference to that of riches floyer sydenham who died in a debtor's prison in seventeen eighty eight and incurred his hard fate through devoting his life to a translation of the dialogues of plato was another martyr from whose ashes arose the royal literary fund which has prevented many struggling authors from sharing this fate seventeen long years of labour besides a handsome fortune did edmund castell spend on his lexicon heptagloton but a thankless and ungrateful public refused to relieve him of the copies of this learned work which ruined his health while it dissipated his fortune these are only a few names which might be mentioned out of the many what a noble army of marchers literature could boast if a roll-call were sounded amongst our booksellers we must not omit the name of page who suffered with john stubbs in the market-place at westminster on account of the latter's work entitled the discovery of a gaping gulf wherein to england is like to be swallowed by another french marriage if the lord forbid not the banes by letting her majesty see the sin and punishment thereof fifteen seventy nine both author and publisher were condemned to the barbarous penalty of having their right hands cut off as we have already recorded sturdy john as the people called john lilburn of commonwealth fame was another purveyor of books who suffered severely at the hands of both royalists and roundheads at the early age of eighteen he began the circulation of the books of prynne and bastwick and for this enormity he was whipped from the fleet to westminster set in the pillory gagged fined and imprisoned at a later stage in his career we find him imprisoned in the tower by cromwell for his just reproof to haberdashers hall and fined one thousand pounds and his bitter attack on the protector entitled england's new chains discovered caused him to pay another visit to the tower and to be tried for high treason of which he was subsequently acquitted to assail the powers that be seemed ever to be the constant occupation of sturdy john lilburn from the above example and from many others which might be mentioned it is quite evident that roundheads when they held the power could be quite as severe critics of publications obnoxious to them as the royalists and troublesome authors fared little better under puritan regime than they did under the stuart monarchs another learned french printer was etienne dolet who was burned to death at paris on account of his books in fifteen forty six he lived and worked at lyon and after the manner of the stevens published many of his own writings as well as those of other learned men he applied his energies to reform the latin style and in addition to his theological and linguistical works cultivated the art of poetry bale says that his latin and french verses are not amiss in the opinion of gruterus they are worthy of a place in the deliciae poetarum gallorum but the impassioned and scurrilous scaliger who hated dolet declares that dolet may be called the muses canker or imposthume he wildly affects to be absolute in poetry without the least pretence to wit and endeavours to make his own base copper pass by mixing it with virgil's gold 
a driveller who with some scraps of cicero has tagged together something which he calls orations but which men of learning rather judge to be latrations whilst he sung the fate of that great and good king francis his name found its own evil fate and the atheist suffered the punishment of the flames which both he and his verses so richly merited but the flames could not purify him but were by him rather made impure why should i mention his epigrams which are but a common sink or shore of dull cold unmeaning trash full of that thoughtless arrogance that braves the almighty and that denies his being the conclusion of this scathing criticism is hardly meet for polite ears a private wrong had made the censorious scaliger more bitter than usual in spite of the protection of castellan a learned prelate dolet at length suffered in the flames but whether the charge of atheism was well grounded has never been clearly ascertained certainly the pious prayer which he uttered when the faggots were piled around him would seem to exonerate him from such a charge my god whom i have so often offended be merciful to me and i beseech you o virgin mother and you divine stephen to intercede with god for me a sinner the parliament of paris condemned his works as containing damnable pernicious and heretical doctrines the faculty of theology censored very severely dolet's translation of one of the dialogues of plato entitled axiochus and especially the passage après la mort tu ne seras rien which dolet rendered après la mort tu ne seras plus rien du tout the additional words were supposed to convict dolet of heresy he certainly disliked the monks as the following epigram plainly declares at nicolaum fabricium valesium de cuculatis incurvicervicum cuculatorum habet grex it subinde in ore se esse mortuum mundo tamen edit eximie pecus bibit non pessime stertit sepultum crapula operam veneridat et voluptatum asecla est ominum idne est mortuum esse mundo aliter interpretare mortui sunt hercule mundo cuculati quod inors tense sunt onus adrem utiles nullam nisi ad scelus et vitium amongst the works published and written by dolet may be mentioned summaire de fête et gestes de françois primeur tant contre l'empereur que ses sujets et d'autres nations étrangères composé d'abord en latin par dolet puis translaté en français par lui-même lyon etienne dolet 1580 stefani doletti carmium libri quattro Lugduni, 1538. Brief discours de la République Françoise, désirant la lecture des livres de l'écriture cinq de Louis Estre Loisable et sa langue vulgaire. Étienne Dollet, 1544. La Fontaine de Vie. Several translations into French of the writings of Erasmus and Melanchthon may also be remembered, and the Geneva Bible, which was printed by Dolet. 
one of the few remaining copies of Symbalum Mundi en Francais, contenant quatre dialogues poétiques, antiques, joyeux et facétieux, par Thomas du Clévier, Bonaventure d'Esperier, ballet de chambre de la Reine de Navarre, Paris, Jean Morin, 1537, reveals the fact that the printer Jean Morin was imprisoned on account of this work therein it is recorded that he presented the copy to the chancellor with the request that he might be released from prison where he had been placed on account of this work the reasons given for its condemnation are various some state that the author a friend of clement marot intended to preach by the use of allegories the reformed religion others say that it was directed against the manners and conduct of some members of the court whether Morin's request was granted, I know not, nor whether Despierre shared his imprisonment. At any rate, the author died in 1544 from an attack of frenzy. Another famous printer at Paris in the 16th century was Christian Wechel, who published a large number of works. He was persecuted for publishing a book of Erasmus entitled De Esu Interdicto Carnium, and some declare that he fell into grievous poverty, being cursed by God for printing an impious book. Thus one writer says that, in the year 1513 arose this abortive child of hell, who wrote a book against the divine justice in favor of infants dying without baptism, and several have wisely observed that the ruin of Christian Wechel and his labors fell out as a punishment for his presses and characters being employed in such an infamous work. However, there is reason to believe that the book was not so impious, expressing only the pious hope that the souls of such infants might not be lost, and also that no great curse fell upon the printer, and that his poverty was apocryphal. At any rate, his son Andrew was a very flourishing printer, but he too was persecuted for his religious opinions, and narrowly escaped destruction in the massacre of St. Bartholomew. He ran in great danger on that eventful night, and states that he would have been slaughtered but for the kindness of Hubert Longuet, who lodged in his house. Andrew Wechel fled to Frankfurt, where he continued to ply his trade in safety, and when more favorable times came, re-established his presses at Paris. He had the reputation of being one of the most able printers and booksellers of his time. The revolutionary period in France was not a safe time for either authors or booksellers. Jacques Frollet was condemned to death in 1793 for publishing the lists of names of those who passed sentence on their king, Louis XIV, and doomed him to death. This work was entitled Liste comparative des cent capelles nomineuses sur les princesses et jugements de Louis XIV, avec les déclarations que les députés ont faites à chacune des séances. Paris, Frollet, 1793. He gives the names of the deputies who voted on each of the five appeals until at length the terrible sentence was pronounced, 310 voting for the reprieve and 380 for the execution of their monarch. The deputies were so ashamed of their work that they doomed the recorder of their infamous deed to share the punishment of their sovereign. 
we have few instances of the illustrators of books sharing the misfortunes of authors and publishers but we have met with one such examples nicolas Godonesch made the engravings for a work by jean laurent boursier a doctor of the sorbonne entitled explication abrégée des principales questions qui ont rapport aux affaires présentées 1731 and found that work fatal to him this book was one of many published by boursier concerning the unhappy contentions which for a long time agitated the church of france Godonesch, who engraved pictures for the work was sent to the bastille and the author banished in all ages complaints are heard of the prolific writers who have been seized by the scribbling demon and made to pour forth page after page which the public decline to read and bring grief to the publishers pasquier's lettre contains the following passage which applies perhaps quite as forcibly to the present age as to his own time i cannot forbear complaining at this time of the calamity of this age which has produced such a plenty of reputed or untimely authors any pitiful scribbler will have his first thoughts to come to light lest being too long shut up they should grow musty good god how opposite are these verses of Chaudel! Etant ceux d'aujourd'hui mes façons, qui de l'or que leur plume la sent, quelques traits sont mauvais ou bons, et lumière devant produire, pour souvent avec leur renom, le pauvre imprimeur destruire. This has been translated as follows. The scribbling crew would make one's vitals bleed. They write such trash no mortal air will read yet they will publish they must have a name so printers starve to get their author's fame one would be curious to see the form of agreement between such prolific authors and their deluded publishers and to learn by what arts other than magical the former ever induced the latter to undertake the publication of such fatal books the story of the establishment of the liberty of the press in england is full of interest and tells the history of several books which involved their authors and publishers in many difficulties the censors of books did not always occupy an enviable post and were the objects of many attacks catalogue fraser lost his office for daring to license walker's books on the icon basilisk which asserted that gordon and not charles i was the author his successor bohun was deprived of his office as licenser and sent to prison for allowing a pamphlet to be printed entitled king william and queen mary conquerors the jacobite printers suffered severely when they were caught which was not very frequent in obscure lanes and garrets they plied their secret trade and deluged the land with seditious books and papers one william anderton was tracked to a house near st james street where he was known as a jeweller behind the bed in his room was discovered a door which led to a dark closet and there were the types and a press and heaps of jacobite literature anderton was found guilty of treason and paid the penalty of death for his crime in 1695 the press was emancipated from his thraldom and the office of licenser ceased to exist henceforward popular judgment and the general good sense and right feeling of the community constituted the only licensing authority of the press of england 
occasionally when a publisher or author makes too free with the good name of an english citizen the restraint of a prison cell is imposed upon the audacious libeller sometimes when a book offends against the public morals and contains the outpourings of a voluptuous imagination its author is condemned to lament in confinement over his indecorous pages the world knows that Visetelli, the publisher, was imprisoned for translating and publishing some of Sola's novels. Nana and La Sommoire were indeed fatal books to him, as his imprisonment and the anxiety caused by the prosecution are said to have hastened his death. The right feeling and sound sense of the nation has guided the press of this country into safe channels, and few books are fatal now on account of their unseemly contents or immoral tendencies. End of chapter 10